where will the Cave of Time take you? At last you have decided to return to the Cave of Time you discovered long ago. You struggle through the tunnel entrance until you reach a dimly lit chamber filled with eerie voices. Inside is a ghost-like figure, the Oracle of Time. He offers you an amazing choice to witness either the beginning or end of time. If you want to see the beginning of time, turn to page 11. If you want to see the end of time, turn to page 17. But beware, the cave of time is treacherous. You may end up cast adrift after the mutiny of the bounty, eaten by a saber-toothed tiger, or trapped in a futuristic coffin. And you may find yourself in the strangest time adventure of all, living five minutes ahead of everyone else. What happens next in the story? It all depends on the choices you make. How does the story end? Only you can find out. And the best part is that you can keep reading and rereading until you've had not one, but many incredibly daring experiences. You're the star of the story. Choose from 16 possible endings. Choose your adventure, book 50, Return to the Cave of Time, by Edward Packard and illustrated by Don Hedden. Welcome to Incredibly Daring, a podcast where we read vintage choose-your-own-adventure books to each other and make generally poor decisions. I'm Jason. I'm Connie. I'm Jeremy. And I should point out here that uh, this is Everett Packard writing and Paul Granger illustrating. This is flashback to book one. Yeah. It's the same team. Yep. That is a piss poor cover art. <laughs> yeah. There's not a lot going on there. Sorry, Paul Granger. It was like, uh, well, he, all right, here's the thing though, because I was checking this cover art out. Um, so you've got your saber tooth tiger eating a picture, I guess, of the entrance mm -hmm. to the Cave of Time. You've got you, I'm assuming it's you, holding on to the wheel of a boat. But over here looks to be a raft made of um, logs that has splintered apart as people are falling oh, off yeah. of a waterfall. Yeah, there are cool. four or five people that are plummeting to their death yeah, they are. on the cover of the book. That got dark. They took the illustrated by credit off of the cover and yeah. replaced it for some weird reason with a diagonal strip that says, you know... The 50th book in the incredible record-breaking series. By the way, congratulations to Choose Your Own Adventure for making it to book 50, like 25 years ago or whenever the fuck it was <laughs> they did it. Um, 35 years ago? Yeah, yeah. Even that, yeah. Aww. But they removed the illustrated by credit off of the cover, which seems a little shitty. Yeah, it I feels mean, a little. Yeah, why wouldn't you yeah, just still that one book? It's weird. Yeah, still, still give the artist credit. I you mean, could put that ribbon somewhere else on the cover and still fit in the illustrated. Put it credits. on the top where it's actually the fifteenth yeah. book. Yeah, yeah. Weird. It's, uh, it's like they're giving Paul Granger the shaft. There's a special thanks to Anne Bailey who supplied the slave ship sequence in this book. Okay. Interesting. So I really hope we get there. <laughs> Warning. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages may contain many different adventures you may have while traveling through the cave of time. May contain? May. 
Weird. Uh, from time to time, as you read along, you will be asked to make decisions and choices. Your choices may lead to success or disaster. The adventures you have will be the result of your choices. After you make a choice, follow the instructions to see what happens to you next. Remember, the cave of time can lead to the past or the future, or to the worlds beyond our own. Good luck. Fucking time travel. <laughs> yep. We. We know you're waiting for this. Okay, Edward Packard, do your worst. <sighs> your heart races as you make your way through Snake Canyon, looking for the entrance to the Cave of Time. Though it's a sunny summer day, you're wearing a warm sweater under your all-weather parka, as well as wool socks and pants. You don't know where you'll turn up once you've entered the cave, but you want to be ready for anything. Finally, bring a gun, then? Finally, you reach the familiar grove of pine trees, but your hopes fade as you realize that landslides have covered the cave's main entrance. Determined not to give up, you search the floor of the canyon until you find, hidden beneath clumps of sage, another barely passable entrance. Crawling on hands and knees, you enter a tunnel that, judging by its direction, should lead to the main chamber. The tunnel seems endless and keeps curving to one side, as if it might be going around in a circle. After a half an hour of crawling, you feel a tightening of the muscles in your throat. The beginning of panic. There's not enough room to turn around. You're not even sure you can back out. So the last time that we went into the Cave of Time, the dickhead scientist stole our Loch Ness monster egg. Mm-hmm. So... Are we going back there to get another Loch Ness Monster egg? Sure. We don't seem to have a whole lot of motivation to go back to this cave. Yeah, why would we want to go back? Park up and go. Unless we just want to travel in time again because it's addicting. Maybe this whole book is a metaphor for crack cocaine. Mm Mm-hmm. It's around the right time. Yeah. (laughs) Good old crack cocaine. Painfully, you crawl on, around a bend to the right, and then one to the left. Somewhere up ahead is a voice chanting. Or is it many voices singing in unison? It's an eerie tune with only three or four notes. A moment later, you reach a dimly lit chamber. A thin, ghost-like figure abruptly stops singing and looks at you intently. You can hardly find words, but... As if to answer your question before you ask it, this strange man, if he is a man, says, You have found the Oracle of Time. You're amazed to meet anyone in the cave, much less an oracle. For a moment you are afraid, but as you look more carefully at the oracle, you can't help but smile. His expression is kindly and wise, but there is also a playful, impish look in his eyes. You realize he may be able to tell you some things you've wondered about. What is time, you ask? (laughs) (laughs) All right. It was a flat circle, he says. The oracle is silent for a moment, but then answers in a firm voice. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Very firm voice. Time is what keeps everything from happening at once. When did time start, you ask, and when will it end? Would you like to see? You gulp in amazement. Sure. 
What then? The beginning or the end? If you say you want to see the beginning of time, turn to page 11. If you want to see the end of time, turn to page 17. End of time, that's my vote. I was going to say, I know you weren't here for the last time that we went to the cave of time, but we never wound up coming across the future. Mm. So I would be Yeah, we went full on past, didn't we? Yeah, I would be curious to travel into the future on this one. I, I triple agree, not that my vote matters, but I'd like to see the end, you say. Instantly, you find yourself weightless, floating in silent space. Your hands cover your eyes as you try to shield them from the brilliant light of a sun much larger and brighter than our own sun. You're rolling over and over in space, feeling like meat on a barbecue spit. (laughs) The sight of you facing the sun is so hot it would burst into flame if it weren't cooled by the near-absolute zero temperature as it turns away from the light. You have no sense of time. For hours, maybe days, you roll gently over and over like a misshapen little asteroid. All the while, this one enormous sun is shrinking ever more rapidly while growing ever more brilliant until you can see it even through your arms shielding your closed eyes. Then, utter darkness. Nothingness. Moments later, you find yourself in the chamber of the oracle blinking as your eyes slowly adjust to the pale green light. You are shaken by your experience, not eager to try something like that again, but you're more curious than ever about time. Tell me, you ask the oracle, did anything happen before time began? And could anything happen after time ends? Nothing can happen unless time is passing, the oracle answers. But things could happen in another time frame, outside our time. Then another time would be passing. You think for a moment, then ask, could I ever visit another time frame where another time is passing? It's possible, the oracle replies. (laughs) The cave of time has passageways that lead to such places. Places where you perceive others as they will be in their future, while they perceive you as you were in your past. By now your head is spinning. I think right now I'd just rather stay in our own time frame, you say. Very well, says the oracle with a smile. Which shall it be, the future or the past? No, I want to get out of this the worst timeline. (laughs) If you choose the future, turn to page 47. If you choose the past, turn to page 66. Future again. Yeah, I would still like to see the future since the last Yeah, I mean, we just saw the end. Parallel over the other parallel time frame. Scientifically speaking, that version of the end doesn't make any sense. We would be floating in utter darkness for billions of years, long after every star had been gone. Billions and billions. (laughs) You're lying in an open, silk-lined box. Oh, Is it a coffin? No. You're hooked up to a tube and wires as if you were in the hospital. Matrix. But you don't feel sick. You feel quite well. Very well, in fact. Though you can't sit up. Something that you can't see is holding you down. You hear soothing chords of music. The room is bathed in dim light, which constantly shifts in hue from sky blue to yellow green to red orange to blue again. Moving your hand to your scalp, you feel tiny wires hooked into your head. They must be paralyzing your nerves so you can't move the muscles that could free you. 
Where are you? How did you get here? Suddenly you remember. You traveled through the cave of time and you must surely be at some point in the future. Your situation is so weird that it must be far in the future. You seem to be in a long cylindrical room like the cabin of an enormous airplane. And there are coffins. You can't think of a better word for them like yours, with wires and tubes and other black tank-like shapes. The ceiling is invisible because of what seems like a dense fog that begins only a few feet over your head. It's as if you were in the middle of a weird dream, yet you don't feel scared. Though held prisoner, you feel pleasurable sensations as if you were eating chocolate ice cream while smelling bread baking, while hearing great music, while seeing a beautiful sunset, while getting a good back rub. Sweet. All at the same time. Mm-hmm. Mm. You go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever has captured you must have hooked a wire into the pleasure center of your brain. Suddenly, the music changes key. A robotic arm inserts a clear plastic mask over your mouth. You start to gasp for breath, but then realize there's an oxygen mixture being fed into the mask. A moment later, your coffin tilts, sliding you into a tank of warm water that's moving rapidly as if it were a swiftly flowing stream. Instinctively, you start swimming against the current. At least with your oxygen mask, there's no problem breathing. You stroke and kick hard, glad to be exercising your muscles and relieving the tension of being held paralyzed. Your tubes and wires are still firmly in place and your body is held by straps under your shoulders and around your waist. You're in what amounts to a swimming treadmill. So this is how people keep their muscles from wasting away, you think. Ingenious, but horrible. Everything is decided for you. You go through the motions, but you have no choices. The people who rule this mad world must think they are providing the perfect life. But one could also think of it as a perfect prison. Suddenly, the current is flowing more swiftly. As you speed up your pace, you feel new, pleasurable sensations. You swim faster and faster, until even with almost pure oxygen flowing into your mask, you feel yourself reaching the limit of endurance. Then gradually, the water level falls, and you are left weightless, suspended in warm air currents that blow and swirl all about your body drying you a few minutes. Gentle robotic arms lift you back into your coffin, and life, if that's what you can call it, goes on as before. As you try to adjust to the reality that lies ahead, you are startled to hear a voice which must be entering your head through one of the implanted wires. You have been identified as an alien intruder. (laughs) Okay. Damn it. Your bioanalysis shows 87.37% probability you understand English. Your brainwave reaction to the preceding statement shows 99.97% probability that you understand English. Relax. You will not be harmed. Stand by for transport. A moment later, you pass out. When you regain consciousness, you find yourself seated in a chair made of very strange material. Whenever you move, the chair adjusts itself so that, however you're sitting, it is molded to your body, giving you the most perfect and comfortable support. Ah, memory foam. Yes. The room you are in is much smaller than your living chamber. 
but the same hypnotic music is playing. Seated nearby is a woman whose body and face seem elongated as if she were an image in an amusement park mirror. Yet she has a beautiful face and her soft olive eyes have a warmth and kindness that surprise you. You are an alien of uncertain origin, she says gently. Our computer will determine how you got here and what is to be done with you. Who are you? And where am I? You ask. My name is Celeste 433, and I am your overseer. You are on Suprema 87, Colony 143, to the fifth power, Proxima <laughs> Neptune, <laughs> and you are very fortunate to be here. Uh, okay, if you say so. To the fifth power. Yeah. Yep. Through advanced technology, all problems have been solved, all wow. needs taken care of. There is nothing for our people to do but to exist in a state of perpetual pleasure. How boring, Edward Packard. Thank you. You start to speak, but a sharply focused light beams at your face, <laughs> increases in brightness for a moment, and then fades as you decide not to say anything. Celeste433 continues, Our monitors show that you are not completely happy in the supremely pleasurable life we have made possible for you. Mm-hmm. You must have an irrational, rebellious quality in your personality. Sure. A quality acquired in your previous culture. This will cause difficulty. Therefore, I must ask you, will you accept your good fortune and have a life of continual pleasure? No. Or will your thoughts and actions become increasingly rebellious? Mm-hmm. Please answer truthfully. Our mm-hmm. monitors will know if you're lying. If you say you'll accept a life of perpetual pleasure, turn to page 7. If you refuse, turn to page 29. Bring the more red pill time. The idea that their monitors will know whether or not we're lying uh, seems like bullshit since we're given the choice to choose either one of them. Mm -hmm. Which means whatever one we choose is the one that we're telling the truth about. Because I highly doubt they're going to go, uh-uh, you're lying. I think I see where you're going. But I'm naturally rebellious, and I want to rebel against yeah. this whole... Because this is, frankly, boring as fuck. Yeah. Okay. Don't see what they do when we rebel. So yeah. refuse, turn to page 29. Yeah. When you tell Celeste433 that you are not willing to give up your freedom, she nods and, to your surprise, smiles. You are a decider, she says. <laughs> You are related to George W. Bush. (laughs) Because you are from a primitive culture, you do not understand that constant pleasure is superior to freedom of choice. Though that should be obvious to anyone, since freedom is more important to you than pleasure, I shall tell you something I should not have mentioned otherwise. Suprema 87 may soon be involved in a war between the Grand Overseers. Who are they? Celeste433 dismisses your question with a wave of her long, bony hand. We have no time for that. Listen carefully. I admire your courage and therefore will give you a chance to survive this war, which I fear will destroy this colony. I shall provide you with an escape capsule, but your troubles will not be over. Space is a vast and hostile wilderness. There are only two destinations you can reach where you will have any hope of survival. 
One of them is Alpha Alpha, a colony beyond Pluto that is far more advanced than this one. In fact, it may be the most advanced in the galaxy. The other place where you might possibly survive is Earth. Earth? That's my home planet. I'd really like to get back there. Celeste 433 shakes her head. You don't seem to understand. You've traveled through a time warp. Earth is no longer what it was. It is a scarred and ruined planet, a backward child of the galaxy, an archaeological scrap heap, but the decision is yours. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking asshole. (laughs) What should you do? You long to see Earth again, even though it may have changed for the worse. Of course, you're curious about Alpha Alpha, though what you've seen of advanced civilizations so far does not encourage you. If you choose to shuttle to Alpha Alpha, turn to page 54. If you choose to shuttle to the planet Earth, turn to page 94. Yeah, I say Earth. Yeah. Let's I go wanted, to the backwater. I wanted Alpha Alpha until uh, until they pointed out that I'm not terribly impressed with anything that I've encountered so far. And that's yeah. true. So. And, and also they dissed Earth. Yeah, it doesn't bother me yeah, so okay. much. All right. No. All right. You wake up in another coffin-like capsule, but this time you are alone in space. Through the transparent dome, you can see the stars and planets with a clarity and beauty you never saw from under Earth's atmosphere. To your left is Saturn, with its spectacular rings, and on the right, Jupiter. Its famous red spot has broken into three small flecks of orange. But the four largest moons are as prominent as they were to Galileo in 1630. Up ahead is a large reddish planet, Mars. You must be very close to it because it looks brighter and larger than Jupiter, even though its diameter is 20 times smaller. Beyond Mars is another planet. The large moon near it tells you that it is Earth and not Venus. (laughs) Hooray! Or just basic knowledge of the solar system. But it does not look like the Earth you remember. With the beautiful swirls of white clouds overlying great stretches of blue ocean and green-hued land masses. Instead, the whole planet is covered with thick gray clouds. Has the sun stopped shining on the Earth? You wonder how this could be. Maybe it's the greenhouse effect you heard of. (laughs) Caused by the increase of carbon dioxide in the air. As your shuttle approaches Earth, you begin to regret your decision to return. (laughs) But your thoughts are interrupted by a voice coming out of the box, simply marked communication. Greetings from Earth Orbit 2303. We have been advised of your approach by Suprema 87. We understand you desire to land on Earth itself. This is a very unusual request. Normally, only archaeologists visit Earth. It is not classified as a habitable planet. Nearly all descendants of Earth survivors are in orbitable colonies. Are you sure you want to land on Earth itself? If not, we can redirect you to planet Sintra, which has an environment similar to the one Earth used to have. If you decide to land on Earth anyway, turn to page 37. If you ask to be redirected to Sintra, turn to page 14. I'm gonna go to. I'm gonna go to Sintra. Mm-hmm. Earth seems trashy. <laughs> go to planet Sintra. I don't feel like playing with some radioactive zombies today, so let's go to Sintra. I 
totally want to play with some radioactive <laughs> zombies. But Planet Sinatra it is. <laughs> the moment you instruct the computer to redirect you to Sintra, you feel the thrust of acceleration. It's as if you suddenly weighed 300 pounds. <laughs> the price of rapid travel through space. Oh, darn. It's more than an hour before you slowly resume your former weightlessness. The capsule has stopped accelerating and is now coasting at what enormous speed you cannot tell. As you are relaxing, a buzzer sounds and words appear on your video screen. Stand by for hibernation treatment. When you come out of hibernation 83.5 Earth years from now, you will find yourself on the planet Sinatra of star number 8,773,389. Oh, that's not million. That's billion. <laughs> oh. Star number 8,773,389,516. A highly stable Class C star in the Milky Way galaxy. Sintra is one of the most beautiful, abundant, habitable planets in the galaxy. Conditions are almost identical with those that existed on Earth in the late 20th century. Drifting into hibernation, you try to imagine what life will be like on Sintra. Your next sensation is a dull electric shock in your head. Then another. And another. You flail your arms as if trying to brush away a fly. You want desperately to go back to sleep. But there's no chance of going back to sleep. The mild shocks persist for a few moments. Then you hear loud, lively music playing in your ears. When it stops, a voice speaks. You are awakening from hibernation. Your spacecraft has landed on the planet Sintra. Atmosphere and temperature are well suited for human life. You may open the hatch whenever you want. As you slowly regain your senses, your mind is flooded with questions. What sort of people live here? What kinds of animals and plants? Will there be radio and TV? You hope there will be kids your own age. You can't wait to see. You stretch, sit up, and look out the window. What a sight. On one side is a cluster of brightly painted houses. On the other, a beautiful park rimmed by giant ferns. In the center is a magnificent mountain. You throw open the hatch and breathe the fresh, clean air. At the same time, several large, tear-shaped cars silently approach your capsule. Smiling and waving as they hold out great bunches of flowers, the inhabitants of Sintra joyfully greet you. The end. Really? That was it? Kind of. There's a bit of a twist, though. Okay. There's the inhabitants of Sintra holding flowers to you. Oh, shit. <laughs> so they're grasshoppers. They're grasshoppers. Yeah. All right. Well, that was incredibly boring to get to that. No shit, dude. <laughs> Should we just go to Janky Earth? Yeah, Jason says go to Janky Earth. I, I mean, I don't know either, but... Yeah, I I'd be interested to see what Janky Earth looks like, at least. Mm -hmm. Earth may not be the same as it was... But it is, after all, your home. You're determined to see what happened to it. Your capsule plunges into the atmosphere, retro rockets firing to break the descent. In a few moments, you enter the yellow-gray clouds that cover the planet's surface. You wonder how far into the future you've journeyed. 
a thousand years, maybe even a million years, suddenly a screen lights up. You read the computer-generated message that appears. Instructions for survival on planet Earth. Oxygen content, 2.3% oxygen generating helmet must be worn at all times. Radioactivity, 2.2. Radiation resistant coat and helmet cover must be worn except in protected zones. Food, basic gene grain bits are the only edible food. Ingest 87 grams of Vitagram. Antitoxicant formula mark 87443695 with each kilogram of gene grain bits. All water must be demulsified and deacidified in PuroScan. All equipment needed for one year survival on this planet is included in your backpack, together with a Mark 3204 laser pistol which will fire 300 times without loss of power. Turn to page 42. Sweet, I've played Fallout. This should be fine. <laughs> You've hardly finished reading these words when you feel an abrupt deceleration followed by a slight jolt. The capsule has made an astonishingly smooth landing. Through the window you see an endless landscape of rocks and boulders, the sort you might find in a dried-up riverbed. So this is Earth. You can only hope it's not all like this. You quickly put on the oxygen-generating helmet and your radiation-resistant coat. Then you open the hatch and step out onto what, as far as you can tell, could be some desolate planet a million light years away. But you're not going to give in to despair. After all, your computer said there is food available. As you step outside and look around, your heart sinks. You might as well be in the middle of a desert. Everywhere you look, you see flat, barren, rust-colored dirt. There's no way of knowing which way to walk. Before you can decide what to do, a saucer-shaped craft zooms in and hovers over your space capsule. You watch with fascination as wire arms descend and enfold the capsule like a spider wrapping up a fly. If you jump back into your space capsule, turn to page 70. If you just watch what happens, turn to page 115. Uh, I don't want to be stranded down here. I don't want to jump off of the voyeur thing. If <laughs> you can just watch. Yeah, we can just watch. As you watch, the saucer craft lifts your space shuttle and disappears into the mists, like some robotic garbage collector. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. Then a loneliness sweeps over you. Even worse. Also sounds about right. Even worse than what you experienced in space. You strap on your backpack and start walking over the flat, rubble-strewn terrain, trying to travel in a straight line. As night approaches, you have no idea how far you've traveled or how far you are from civilization, if there is any in this desolate world. Yeah, I don't think there is. You lie on the hard, sandy ground and try to sleep. But within minutes, you sense something overhead. Opening your eyes, you see the saucer craft hovering above you. The wires are already unreeling. You jump up, yelling at the craft above. Before you even think to run, the wires wrap around you. You realize this craft must be manned by a robot that can't distinguish living beings from stray objects, and you feel the wires like great snakes crushing you. The end. <laughs> Lord, we got wallied. 
None of that is going to stick with me. No. That one sucked. <laughs> I, this is... I mean, it's Cave of Time take two. Yeah. You know, which sure. Cave of Time one also was, I think, left a bitter taste in our mouths. Sure, but it was better than that. This yeah. book was putting me to sleep. Well, I mean, in wine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, they're... Mm, it is disappointing for the 50th book in the incredible record-breaking series. Yeah, X for me on that one. Yeah, I don't know if that's Edward Packard's worst book or not, but it was pretty bad. I don't think it's his worst. I'm sure there's another one that's way worse. I, I can't don't remember. I that. can't think of one that was worse than that. Just that thing. Thing really Maybe right The Underground Kingdom? That was pretty bad. That one was pretty bad. <laughs> Um, so yeah, an X, X, or whatever X. the bad rating system is. We don't recommend this book. We no. Don't. Anyway, uh, if you want to check out more Choose Your Own Adventure stuff, go to cyoa.com. If you would like to check out more things by Edward Packard, go to edwardpackard.com. If you want more stuff from us, go to incrediblydaring.com and check out all of our social media stuff and i'm jason i'm connie i'm jeremy